Gitin, Perik Gimel, Mishnah Ches, 3.8, the last of the Perik. The Mishnah is continuing to discuss the halachas of Chazaka, and this again has nothing to do directly with Gitin, and really it's a continuation of the previous Mishnah, talking about, um, in this case, we're tithing produce. So the setup of our Mishnah is going to be such that we're going to get to the punchline, you can assume the produce is how you left it, um, or money is how you left it, in terms of tithing. Now, the particular case is that a person, let's say he's a wheat farmer, and he, you know, he every day bakes new bread with his wheat, and he doesn't want to have to deal with taking separate tithes each time he makes a new, you know, loaf of bread to take a few grains aside to give to the Kohen, etc. Let's just talk about a Kohen to keep it simple, okay? So the Kohen gets truma. Typically, truma is 2% of the of the total amount of grain, and um, it's the first one taken, so let's talk about that. So what does he do? He says, listen, he takes two gallons of wheat grains. He puts that in his storage shed. He says, that's going to be used to aggregate all my truma separations, and I'll give those two gallons to a cone when he comes by. In the meantime, every time that he you know, makes a new loaf of bread each day, he says, the wheat that I'm using for this loaf of bread, 2% has to be taken off as truma, but I'm I'm designated not to be from the grains in front of me here, where I'm in my kitchen, where I'm baking, but rather it's the 2% is going on to the the grain um, back in the storage shed. So over time, all the truma is, you know, located from the general tevel, meaning the untied produce of 100 gallons. Over time, you know, two gallons that are sitting already currently as tevel untied produce, and that's necessarily the case, it has to be specifically untied produce, of the same min of the same type, it's wheat and wheat. So two gallons of wheat are sitting in the storage shed, and as they get separated out, each time I make a new loaf of bread, it'll be localized over there in the storage shed. So that's going to be permitted. There's no problem with that um, at all. In fact, I think, yeah, there's no problem with that at all. The concern you might have is, well, maybe over time, you know, the rats get to the wheat in the storage shed. How do you know it's still there? Maybe there's no more wheat there anymore. Maybe it's it's gone lost. So the point of our mission here is the chazaka tells you you can assume that the wheat is already left it. It's still fine and usable and good. And therefore, you can continue to bake new loaves of bread each and every day. And in each and every day, when you say, I'm separating my truma, you're saying the truma I'm separating isn't in front of me here. It's sitting in the storage shed. That's the gist of our Mishnah here. So um, that same principle would apply for other kinds of afrashos, like Meiser and Meiser Shani and Meiser Ani. It's all the same idea, though. So the Mishnah here says inside, If a person sets aside, peros literally always translates as, as produce, um, Think of it here not as fruit, which go bad, of course, in a, in a relatively quick amount of time, but say grain, which can stay for a long time, for years. So, he sets aside that produce, that grain, let's say in a storage shed, um, to separate his trumas and maestros onto it. Or, or something totally different here. Um, he sets aside coins um, for the purpose of deconsecrating maestros sheni onto them. So... I'll explain that in a moment, but the finish of the sentence is, You're allowed to keep on doing that, and you can assume that the money that you set on side, or the grain you set aside, is still there. Okay, so just the backstory on the money for a moment here. Meister Shani, the second tithe, it's 10% after you give to the, the levy his Meister, and before that the Kohen his Truma, um, and that's to be taken to, eat, to be eaten in Yerushalayim. Um, it separates... Um, yeah, it separates, my shani separates in here, one, two, four, five, 
of the seven-year Shemitah cycle. I think in the previous mission I said, I made a mistake in the previous mission, I just realized. But in any case, of the seven-year Shemitah cycle, years one, two, four, and five are Meister Shani, and years three and six are Meister Ani. That's the din, and I apologize for the mistake in the previous recording. Um, in any case, so so if you can't take that produce to Jerusalem, let's say it's, you know, it's too much, too heavy, whatever it is, you can remove the sanctity of your Meister Shani, put it onto coins, bring the coins to Jerusalem, and then spend the money there in Jerusalem to buy foodstuffs, um, korbanos or whatever it is, and then you'll, and then you'll, money goes off, the Kedusha goes off the money and onto the foodstuffs. Fine. The point is here, the same kind of setup, you're sitting at this coin, you're taping it up to the refrigerator, whatever it is, and every time you separate your Trumas and Meisris, so you designate the, uh, the Kedusha from the Trumas, the, the Meiser Shani to be on the coin taped to the refrigerator or in the storage shed. So again, the mission is, you say, is you can assume that the coin is still there even for a long period of time. Now, that's all fine and good. What happens if you subsequently check in the storage shed to check on your Truma collection there? Let's say the Cohen came by to collect his Truma or something. But then you find out it's gone. Im avdu, if it's lost upon investigation. So the question is, um, how far back do you need to be afraid it disappeared? Do you have to, you know, do you have to re-tithe all your Truma Samaisras? And how far back do you have to go? So our mission here says, Hareza Choshesh Me'esla Eistiv Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua. According to Rabbi Elazar ben Shemua, that's the good old-fashioned Rabbi Elazar throughout the Mishnayos. Um, some people have the name ben Shemua. Not to be confused with Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkunus, or Eliezer Hagadol, different person. In any case, Rabbi Elazar, Elazar, excuse me, Rabbi Elazar holds, yet to be concerned to go back, Me'esla Eist means exactly 24 hours on the clock. So whatever food you've tied in the past 24 hours since you discovered, you know, prior to discovering that the the wheat isn't there anymore in the storage shed, um, if it hasn't been eaten, you'll have to now tithe it again. Obviously, what's been eaten is gone. But uh, if it hasn't been eaten, you have to tithe it again. But further back than 24 hours, you don't have to be afraid. According to Rabbi Elazar, the thought is that really, you can assume the status quo persists indefinitely until you know otherwise, which means... Until the very minute you discover the wheat's gone, you can assume, well, luckily it was there until then, and therefore, if you're not sure about the status of the tithe produce, you can assume it's improperly tithed. That's the Dorais Allah. However, Midra Banan, they said push it back 24 hours, because it have to disappear sometime, and 24 hours seems like a reasonable amount of time. They have to pick some amount of time, and 24 hours is what they decided is reasonable. Um, there's more about this in Sechah's Nid and so on, but that's enough for now. Now, that's his opinion. Um, the halacha is not like Rabbi Elazar Ben Shemua. The halacha is like the Chacham, who, who take a different approach. They say, no. They say, listen, once you've discovered that the wheat isn't there anymore, you have a bigger problem. You have a big problem, bigger than 24-hour problem, because it's not there now. And although, when we have a suffolk, we're not sure about how to rule in a situation of uncertainty, so our go-to principle, our first go-to principle is chazaka, status quo. We assume that things haven't changed. Therefore, we assume that the wheat is still there. Um, and that's called the chazaka kama, the original, I'll call it status quo. Um, and even though now we find, well, the wheat isn't there, and so now we have a new status quo, which is that the wheat's not there, that's called the chazaka dehashta, the current status quo, the current chazaka, as opposed to the original one. Um, so when that happens, when you have a, when you have a a contest between Chazaka Kama and Chazaka Dahashta, how it was back then and how it is now, we go with Chazaka Kama. It's more powerful. So, and that's what Rebbe Elizabeth Nishmu was saying. He's saying, I know the wheat isn't there now, but it 
was there for some time in the past. Who knows how long it how long it disappeared? We can assume it was there until we know differently. So the Chazaka Kama, the original status quo, overpowers the Chazaka Dahashta. That's his opinion. But the Chachamim, the Halacha, not mentioned in our Mishnah here. But the Chacham off the off the page, um, who the Halacha follows, say no. Because in addition to just simply having, you know, a, an old Chazaka versus a new Chazaka um, in contest, and they agree with the principle, if that was all it was, so then if that were all it was, we would go with the Chazaka Kama, fine. But there's another Chazaka to consider, which is the wheat that you think was tithed, but you're not sure anymore because, like, the, the wheat you were using to make the bread. So it also had a Chazaka. It's Chazaka was that it was tevel, it was untied produce that, that, at last sighting. And, and now we don't know if it really was tied properly. So in that situation, we have like what's called tartila reusa. We have two things against our chazaka kama. Our original presumption was, yes, there was wheat in the storage shed. But now, A, we have a chazaka dahashta. We have a new information. Now there's no wheat there anymore. And number two, we have the question of we're trying to rule on what's with the wheat that we were making, that we made the bread with. So it also has its own chazaka. It wasn't tithed at some point, and that's for, that last time we know for sure its status, it was an untithed situation. So therefore, according to Chacham and Nalacha, both those two factors um, outweigh the chazaka kama, the original status quo, and therefore, you'll have to go back to Halacha as far back as you can, meaning any, um, any produce that you've tithed since you last saw the wheat in the storage shed, that's still extant, has to be retied again, Misafik. It has to be retied again out of doubt. That's halacha. Now, the final part of the Mishnah here, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is going to be agreeing with Rabbi Elazar. He says you can rely on the status quo, that's not a problem um, when it comes to wheat. But the thing is that if you're talking about uh, wine, so wine doesn't last indefinitely. Wine spoils. Um, so you have to be much more afraid that if you just leave it there for a long time, of course, eventually it will spoil, and it's more it's more frequent. So according to Yehuda, there are three times in the year that you should be checking your wine, because those are times when I'll call it the weather changes, for lack of a better term, and the wine is liable to go and spoil. So the mission here says, Three times in the calendar, three times a year, you need to check that your wine that you've set aside to be like the repository of your tithes is still not, you know, it's not souring. One of those three times, Bekadim shall um, after Sukkis, when the east wind blows, it's a warm wind and like the weather's changing, if you will, it's going into winter. Uvahotsas smadar, when on the grape vines, uh, the, the blossoms of the grapes fall off of the grape vine, and there's a little tiny smadar, a little tiny, you know, fledgling, nascent little berry that will become a grape eventually. Um, so that's called the smadar when it's tiny. Um, when that happens, you have to check again. And then the third time is uvisha'as knisas ma'im babosar, when the water flows in um, with the bosar. Bosar is like an intermediate stage in the growth of a grape. Uh, it is bigger than the smadar, but it's not fully grown. It's still sort of small. It's the size of a white hyacinth bean, however big that is. Um, and it's still very bitter. Sour, I should say, very sour. So... Um, the first shot in the Bartonor, like Rashi, is that when it starts to swell, the fluid starts coming into the bosar. That's the third juncture where you need to check on your wine. There's a second shot here that the Bartonor brings also from Rashi, uh, which is if you use the bosar and you're using it to make vinegar, so when you're adding water to the to bosar juice to make vinegar, um, when they're making that in the on the farm, that's the time to check the wine and storage as well. So the halacha um, really is not... Um, 
The Lach is like Rabbi Yehuda, that you need to check three times, notwithstanding the principle of um, Chazaka. Um, and the Lach is like, I'll call it the, the basic premise of our Mishnah, which is you can rely on the Chazaka, comma, but once you discover that it's been ruined, you have to go all the way back and retithe, as I explained before, La Halacha, um, whatever is still around, because you have to be afraid um, that it was disappeared very soon after you put it there.